0: Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Namaste, Mads and Mamas. I'm so happy that you're tuning in to a really important episode. Today, we are pressing the reset button on raising happy kids. Yes, this epidemic that I think all of us parents have believed that we are responsible of keeping our children happy all the time is something that our culture has become obsessed with and I think it's actually stressing us out. So bear with me if this sounds a little wonky to you, I really do lay out why this is holding us back from truly raising the confident, resilient children that we deeply desire, and what we should focus on instead if we're not always trying to raise happy kids. Okay, so be honest with me, and I will totally too. If I asked you at this moment, what is the biggest thing that you want for your child? Would one of your top answers be, I just want my child to be happy? Raise your hands. I was there too, guys. I was certainly on that wagon of, yes, I just want my children to be happy. If someone asked me that question, that would probably have been the first thing that I would say. And really, that would have been very indicative of how I was parenting too. When Power struggles would happen or disagreements would happen, or if Ayan was angry at me, Rehan's still a little bit too young. But, like, when Ayan was in his toddler phase and he was more verbal and he could articulate a little bit more um, what he was feeling and his anger towards me, would really shake me up because my number one concern is, How do I make him happy? How can I make this go away? And a lot of times, when I felt like I tried the best that I could, and I'm like, Why isn't this emotion going away? I almost felt like I was taking it personally and sometimes I would get angry like there's nothing left for me to give you I'm being as patient as I can be um, you know I really did not try to intentionally get you upset so why isn't this emotion going away? I And, you know, when our child is frustrated, disappointed, angry, you know, those are actual feelings that they're not happy. So we try to quickly fix things or try to make things better so that they feel pleasant or they're pleasant so that our life is easier. And I realized I kept hitting a brick wall and not only was I getting frustrated, This was a heavy burden to wear. This baggage of I'm responsible for your happiness. And when I couldn't fix certain things, or when the anger was directed towards me, I almost felt like this was unfair. Like I don't know what I could do. And I would almost feel a little bit resentful. And this is a pattern, I'm going to be very honest, at least for me, that I was quite aware of as a child too. You know, I had a parent. Um, you know, I share about my mom that, you know, she was very emotionally needy and emotionally volatile. And, you know, growing up as a child, I I was highly in tune, very empathetic, very sensitive. I could read energy from a very young age, as I think many of us can. And I was very in tune. I could feel from my mom's footsteps to her inflection in her voice, to how she was you know, maybe like carrying or putting pots in the dishes or how she was washing dishes. I could tell from her body language where she was at mentally. And I felt like most of my childhood was constantly managing what I said, what I didn't say in order to prevent her from having an episode where she would have emotional rage. And it was constantly walking on eggshells. And I think as a teenager, as I grew up, I became very resentful because it is such a heavy burden to try to constantly maneuver and manipulate manipulate yourself to make someone else happy. And it is... It's, it's a losing battle, y'all. There, And I've had so many moments where I was like, if I say something, it's going to trigger her. If I don't say something, it's going to trigger her. So it's like you can never keep someone happy. It's an impossible responsibility. And I think whether we're it's like with our parents or with our children, we have to let go of this idea that – we are responsible by our behavior or by our actions to keep others happy. We can barely get ourselves in check and try to figure it out. We do not need this added burden. And once I let this go, not just with my mom and with with my children or, you know, Chirag or anybody else. I'm not responsible for your happiness. So when Ayans having big feelings visit, it's like... I really empathize for you, but it's not my job to fix your problem, right? And it's like, I'm there to support you, but I'm not taking that on. I'm not taking that energy on and it's really shifted things. And so I wanna share my process of how I got to that and that's what this episode is really all about and the tools that I've been using to not focus on raising happy children and what I focus on to raise resilient children. So why is focusing on happiness a problem? Let's dissect that first because some of you may still be skeptical or have questions about this. So here's the thing, right? Happiness is a feeling and nobody can feel happy, yay, happy all the time, right? Happiness like anger, frustration, disappointment, sadness is a feeling that comes and goes. And what I like to tell kids and what I like to tell parents, it's like our feelings visit us. They ride in and they ride out. And if there's something that has taught us that is the movie Inside Out, right? I love that movie. So good for kids, but so good for adults too. It notices that different experiences elicit different feelings. And so there's no way that we can always be happy. And if we are, we're missing the essence of what life is. Life is about managing different emotions and how to work through them. And so we're telling ourselves and the world a lie if we're always like, oh yeah, I'm always happy. I'm always content. I'm always fine. That's not true, guys. And so I think we've become culturally obsessed with trying to always be happy and trying to one-up ourselves and getting more and, and experiencing more and having more. And, you know, we're... Left with, yes, we have highs and peaks of happiness, but yes, then it always comes back down and we're humbled and we have other slew of emotions. So the human experience is naturally made up of all sorts of feelings that we feel throughout the day. And if we aren't able to deal with them and brace them and ride them out, we're left feeling bad about ourselves. And then we keep perpetuating and we feel guilt and we're kind of constantly striving for the next happiness hit. And so we have to get off of this kind of pattern of like constantly needing that hit of happiness and kind of thinking that life is always about getting that next hit yes we're going to have moments of happiness we're not always going to be happy but I think the emotion that we have to try to feel between different phases of our lives is being able to feel content have acceptance And be easeful and go with the flow of whatever life is presenting us. And I share this because this is very, it's kind of morbid, but it's not morbid. This is a reality of life. Is that every morning on those days that I feel utterly overwhelmed. Now, it's not every morning, but I feel like a heaviness. I feel stress within my body. And I ask myself, like, you know, is everything okay in my life? Yes, health of everybody around me is okay and... Right now, both of my parents are still living. I put myself in this experience of just recognizing there will be a day someday that my parents will not be on this earth. And my life is going to totally change. It's going to introduce grief into my life. And some of you might have already experienced grief. So there's different phases. And, you know, grief is not a period of time that we're always going to feel happy. So it's always just being in acceptance and of contentment and of allowing the feelings that are going to come up. But there, there are going to be periods in our life that we're going to have every single emotion, grief, despair, disappointment, frustration, Anger, loneliness, heartache. And so I think when we focus our time and energy on always wanting to make sure that our kids are happy, we really rob them of this experience of knowing what to do when challenging emotions and experiencing experiences show up in life. And so I want to break this down kind of in a philosophical yet layman's term of what truly happiness is. And I love, you know, analogies and metaphors and visualizations. So I want to share it like this. So what happiness can be defined as is what you want or your desire is exactly matching what is showing up in life right now. What unhappiness is, is the opposite, is that what you desire is not what is showing up or what life is bringing you in this moment. So let's take this example. Most of us, if not everyone listening to this, are moms, okay? And so just think back to when you found out you were pregnant for the very first time, okay? and that feeling of excitement and joy. And maybe you can experience, say that that was one of the happiest moments of your life, right? Like, wow, like I'm pregnant. Maybe you were trying. Maybe it was a surprise. You know, sure. But you're if you wanted to have children, um, most of us will say, yes, that was a happy moment. Now I want you to think of, maybe you know someone in this predicament or it's a hypothetical, but say there's a woman who was brutally raped and she finds out that she's pregnant. It's an unwanted pregnancy. It's a surprise. It creates a lot of trauma. Now for her, do you think that finding out being pregnant was the happiest moment of her life? Probably not. I can't generalize it, but My assumption would be, no, she would not necessarily claim it to be the happiest moment of her life. So happiness is largely situational based on if what's showing up for us is exactly what we want. If we desired that baby, when we find out we're pregnant, we feel happy. If we did not want a baby and we find out that we're pregnant, we are unhappy okay? So that's just an indication of how happiness is a fleeting emotion just like every other emotion. So if happiness is a fleeting moment and raising children who know how to be happy is not our focus, then what is it? I would much rather raise children who know how to handle unhappiness. They know when frustration, when they feel worried, when they feel disappointment. They know how to handle those natural emotions that are part of every single one of our lives. That we don't need to fix them every time something goes wrong. We just need to help them learn how to handle these emotions and then they will have the secret key and ticket that Any life circumstance that comes into their life, if it's different than what they desire, if it's a heartbreak, if they don't get into their dream college, if they get laid off of their job, if they lose something really valuable to them, or if their car gets broken into, all these difficult situations that are going to happen, maybe they're going to show up differently for all of our children and all of us, however, no matter what is thrown their way. Even if we're not there, they will know how to handle being unhappy. And they have the resilience to move through any sort of stress, uncomfortability, or challenges that show up their way. I think that as a parent is what our responsibility is. It's not to raise happy kids. It's to know how to raise kids who know how to handle unhappiness. So how do we do that? In my experience, when I was in my mid-20s, I was largely unprepared for real life. There I was. Yes, I had a fancy degree. I was making X amount of money. I was married. I had checked box everything that I needed to do by the age of 25. However, when it came to disappointment, when it came to handling conflict, I was utterly bankrupt on how to experience and move through emotions because I One, I was never taught it. Two, I grew up with an experience where emotions were scary and I didn't want to dive into emotions or feel my emotions because I was thought that being emotional is being volatile, being kind of off the handle. When you feel angry or disappointed, you are out of control. And I just stopped feeling. I really did. I felt like I was kind of numb and I was like this shell of a human being that yeah I I felt emotions but it always manifested in anger or judgment or blame or victimhood it wasn't a healthy way of coping with feelings and for me being a divorce uh, mediator and being a divorce attorney you know being around other individuals and parents who are going through emotional state in their life and I really relate to being around those who are getting a divorce it's almost like a trauma that someone is passing away there is grief there is anger there is frustration disappointment like there is a whole slew of emotions and a lot of my clients I'm sure were not at their best Um, emotionally when they're going through that experience and so I saw people at their most vulnerable and it made me also experience that their children were also feeling and experiencing these emotions at home as many of them were probably like me very sensitive and emotionally connected and aware and I feel like more children now are emotionally connected than ever before in history. So I really was called to help myself learn the practices and what I found was meditation helped prepare me in many ways because it helped me go into my inner landscape of understanding what is my body trying to tell me? What are the signs? Our body is constantly communicating with us. When we say that we're experiencing stress, according to Ayurveda, it's simply just a flag that energies are imbalanced in our body. And if we learn to listen to the wisdom and we have a guidebook of that, like Ayurveda and yoga, These sister sciences teach us when we're experiencing certain types of stress. It manifests in our our machinery, in our body. We are a machine. It manifests in a way in our body that if we're simply present and in tune with how our functioning of our body is getting, um, do we need to be refueling our engines? Is it feeling depleted? Like what is happening? If we listen to these signs, we will know how to help ourselves and move through these challenges and these emotions. And so meditation has been such a profound key and a life skill that has transformed my life and that's why for the past decade I've been dedicated to bringing these tools to young children because not only can they benefit from it they can learn it just like they can learn the ABCs that we believe that they can learn algebra and calculus, and they can learn how to write their name and read. They can learn meditation. It's simply our desire to be consistent and bringing these practices into their daily life that makes it whether they're gonna know how to do it or they can't, they don't know how to do it. We expect our children to learn that you brush your teeth every day, you take a shower to keep your body clean, you eat healthy foods, you move your body so that you feel good, that your, your physical body feels good. Now is the time to help our children learn that we can also massage and help our mental health to help get those yucky thoughts outside of our brain and make sure that we're clearing it out so that we can process feelings. And when things that happen that make us feel unhappy, how we can control our own happiness. And so there is a podcast episode, uh, Mommy Ayu podcast episode, where Ayan talks about the steer the ship exercise, which is in the Meditation for Kids book, which is launching next week. We're going to get to that for a minute, but I wanted to bring attention to that because That is how I communicate with Ayan. when I came to the epiphany that I'm not responsible for your happiness, but you are equally not responsible for my happiness. One of the exercises that I created for the book was steer your ship. And that gives children the empowered control that they control their feelings. You're going to find out what feeling island or emotion island you are visiting. In this moment, what feeling are you at? And it is your choice how you steer your ship and to move to another emotion island. This empowers children that they are constantly in control. They notice what they're feeling. All right, this is not how I wanna feel anymore. What breathing reset am I gonna to do to help me move to a different island? Making this click of not just like using calm breathing and relaxing into their body, but also giving this empowerment of you are in control of your thoughts and your feelings are so important to teach children at a young age. So they don't feel when they get to be an adult, they feel completely lost when they're finally in the real world, right? So I just wanted you to take a note and listen to that episode with your kids if this is an important practice that you want to build in your children's life that you're responsible for your happiness and I'm going to teach you how you can control how to go to different feelings anytime something feels too stressful or hard. So meditation science has shown helps not only adults but it helps children manage big emotions, tune into their feelings, helps them know how to express themselves and as Ayurveda and yoga, these sister ancient sciences have already thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago proved is that we can learn how to master this mind-body-soul connection when we tune into it. What feelings are arising? What stress are we experiencing? And what tools do we use to help ourselves reset? to refuel, to feel rebalanced. So my solution to this problem is my Meditation for Kids book, the 40 activities to help your children manage emotions, to ease anxiety, and to stay focused. These are skill sets Building stress, stress resilience, emotional intelligence, and learning the art of concentration are at the core of how to bring children into this fast paced, really, really distracting world and help them focus in on learning how to use the machine of their body. So, like I mentioned, you know the importance of meditation what i like to say is explaining to kids is like just like we brush our you know brush our teeth or we take a bath to keep our body clean we brush our brains by meditating to keep all those yucky thoughts away it's by finding a quiet safe place to take a peaceful pause so you can boost your energy rest your mind reset your mood and turn on your superpowers so the 40 exercises in this book are inspired by some of the greatest ancient yogic teachings so as a teacher and student of kundalini yoga and meditation and a ayurveda yoga specialist it was my deepest desire not to just give you a bunch of kid-friendly tools but to have them rooted in the ancient science so that when you're going through the chapter of chapter one is all about physical stress so when your child needs a or you need an energy boost or if they're feeling sad or they're feeling lethargic how to boost their energy and move out of physical stress the second chapter is about focusing their mind which is all about mental stress how to move through worry anxiety helping them learn the art of focusing and concentration. Such important skill sets. Chapter three is all about opening their heart. So those feelings that feel heavy of, you know, um, jealousy, anger, impatience, um, All those frustrating and upsetting feelings that create heat in our body, how children can use eight different exercises that help them release that in fun and playful ways. Uh, But again, deeply rooted in ancient wisdom. Chapter four is about helping them tune into their intuition, tap into their inner power, using their imagination and their visualization skills, using affirmations to manifest what they want in their life, to find and to have balance and know how to control their mind. right our mind is a powerful powerful tool but we need to know how to utilize it when it's in a calm state to plant the seeds of the thoughts and the visions of what we want to see in our life so teaching children because they're amazing at imagination already if we teach them the tools of cultivating their intuition how important is that right in the long run and the last chapter is resting relaxation relaxation and stillness sorry i'm getting tongue tied but this is all about helping our children learn how to calm down. Yes, our children have lots of energy. Sometimes it's flighty energy that needs to learn how to be contained. And so it's all about learning the different exercises that are going to manage their emotions based on what they need to experience. And so every single day, it's going to be something different. It's not a one-size-fit-all generic, just do this one tool every single day, Our life changes every day. Our body's responding to nature and the earth and the moon and the surroundings. They're maybe picking up secondhand stress from either school or home. Maybe you're experiencing more stress and they're manifesting it and it's coming out in the way that they're behaving. Or maybe they're not getting enough sleep or, you know Things change every single day. We have a slew of emotions throughout the day and every week it shifts. So this is really important that you have a whole guidebook of different exercises to use. Now, I really didn't want it to be overwhelming to you. You're like, okay, 40 exercises, where do I start? And that's really the incentive why I built this Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. It is one of my smaller courses because I wanted it to be really um, mindful to not overwhelm you on how to build the practice in your children's life. This is all about building the confidence within you. I know the steps of step one, step two, step three, step four. How I'm going to start building these practices into my children's life. So the course has exercises and it has videos. So Ayan's in the videos, I'm demonstrating the videos. I really make it very clear and focused and short videos so that you can follow along step-by-step where you need to go and then you'll know how to use the book and infuse these practices and so if you've never meditated before or maybe you do meditate but you don't know how to teach your kids, you are going to want this supplement course. It's really going to add value to the book. I really created them so that they're a synergy and they work together. It's kind of like the Ayurveda and the yoga. You kind of have need these two sister sciences to have a whole You need the book and you need the course to kind of make it mend together so you feel confident teaching your kids and this is not a good idea with no follow through. Like you buy the book and you're like, okay, where do I start now? And so that's why I really highly recommend the course and the book together. And so what I've learned over the decade of teaching meditation and mindfulness into classrooms for the last decade and from educating teachers and parents is that We know that children learn best through imaginative play. So the activities are very short. They're fun. They weave playfulness in. So they keep your child excited and engaged and really want to practice meditation. Like if you ask Ayan, he knows it. it's part of his daily life. You know, we brush our brains and we make it playful. I do something different. I I get his input on what he wants to do. And so you want it to be fun. And the beauty is is that if you've never meditated, this book and this course is going to be your easiest primer to build a meditation practice into your life, whether you just do a family meditation practice, which is amazing, I think it creates such a deep connectivity and a bond because when you show to your child that you are their partner, that you are this guide from the side, that you are learning alongside them, and you're not this guru that needs to know it all, and you are gonna have to be the sage that you have to know it before you can teach it, you will let go of a lot of pressure that you put on yourself, but also it will be more playful for your child. They will feel that energy. And so these tools are not just for your kids. They will help you feel less stressed too because as I mentioned, they're rooted in the ancient wisdom. So practice with your child and you will be on the right path to building deeper connections, more open communication, creating a more peaceful home environment, but most importantly helping yourself and your children learn how to handle unhappiness. So really I hope you join me on this Really magnificent and powerful journey to raise the first generation of mindful meditating children and the next generation of peace leaders. You know, the Dalai Lama did say that if every eight year old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation. And this is something that I want to prove correct. I think that there's something deep within me that I want to build this skill set and share it with as many moms and teachers and caretakers as much as possible. To help not only you but to really try to see if this foreshadowing can be correct can we really create this where we're building these foundations in their youth and you know we're never going to know unless we try so just because we were never taught this or maybe this is our first time approaching it never ever limit your child's potential based on their age We have to have the premise that our children are capable and have the potential to learn anything despite their age and they can. If we are consistent and show interest and are really invested in this, just like we are invested in teaching them the ABCs, it takes time. It's going to take practice. They're not going to be sitting there quietly meditating for 20 minutes at the age of two. We have to build this with the songs and the playfulness and the activities And over a period of time, the goal is that when they're eight years old, if we start building it by age two or three, by eight, they will be able to sit in a meditation practice. Okay, that is the goal. So join me. Make sure you get your copy of the Meditation for Kids book. Um, If you love it, please leave a review. That's how Amazon will know how to uh, boost it so other moms can find it. That's really such amazing karma that you could do for this movement. If you believe in it just as strongly as I do, this is not about me. I'm just one person. I'm one drop in the ocean. But together... If it has our group intention and our motivation to create this movement, we are the ocean and we can create ripples and waves that we can't manifest alone, that we can't even imagine. So make sure that you share pictures of your kids practicing the meditations on Instagram. Tag me at TheJo V. Patel. Use the hashtag Kids Can Meditate. Let's really make a movement of this hashtag. Make sure you share this podcast because we need to get the word out there and I can't do it without you. And make sure you buy the book, buy the course, let other moms know, and share a review on Amazon once it goes live. April 14th, guys, the movement is happening. So to purchase the course and to purchase the book, you can get everything at the meditationforkidsbook.com website and I'm here to support you guys. This is what I've been placed on earth to do. I truly believe this is my life's purpose and mission, so whatever way I can help support you and guide you, I am here for you. This is such an important movement for all of us, and I cannot wait that more children are going to be exposed to this thanks to you. I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much for your continued support up until this point, and we're just going to continue banging it out as the book comes out and the book launch event. Um, New York City is on May 9th and tickets are now available um, and definitely purchase your tickets and May 16th if you're in the Southern California area just head over to my Instagram the links are all there in the bio guys I'll put them in um, the show notes as well if you want to purchase tickets and show up live it's going to be an incredible event I've made it so empowering so inspiring you are going to walk out of there like vibrating on such a high level I have such an amazing meditation that's gonna get you like up sky high guys all right guys thank you so much for tuning in I cannot wait to see your littles meditate and I love you guys so much okay have a great one bye if you love this episode, I'd be so grateful if you subscribe on iTunes, share it with your mama besties, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do to share is screenshot it, share it on your Instagram story, use the hashtag timeandtalkspodcast, and tag me at Tejal V. Patel. Of course, you can just text your mama besties the pod too, which is also totally cool. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts as my special thank you, I'd like to give to you my seven-day stress detox course absolutely free. This is a $79 value course I'm giving to you complimentary as my thank you for leaving a review. If you're a mom who wants tools to use in the heat of the moment that helps you decrease stress, manage your triggers, stop your own meltdowns, or you just want to infuse a simple moment of peace throughout your busy day to get centered, well, you want to get your hands on these tools. These tools are rooted in ancient Ayurvedic and yogic wisdom, and these kundalini meditations that I teach only take three minutes or less to feel better. These are my daily go-to tools that keep my stress at bay and help me feel calm and centered, and I'd love to make them available to you. All you got to do is email me a screenshot of your review over to Thajal at ThajalVPatel.com. That is T E J A L at T E J A L V P A T E L.com. I'll send you the course details right away so you can get started.